We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network, the world for people who think... Который час? Happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners. Happy American holiday. This is your American radio show. 100%. Salt.net. For all the fake news that's worth, worth printing. Made in America. Made absolutely in America with no sign whatsoever of any Russian influence. Not paid <coughs> at all by the Kremlin. The, you owe me some rubles, Neil, by the way. I mean, uh, dollars. Ah, da. I mean, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, don't, don't forget to stay in accent. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Keep falling into the. Keep on to call people comrade. Anyway, um, neat, neat. Um, yes, welcome to Behind the Headlines on the South Radio Network, as we were just saying. It's the place to come, the one-stop shop for all the fake news you can possibly ever want or imagine or make up yourself and see printed. Uh, I'm Joe Quinsky. <laughs> this evening is Neil Brad- Bradley-ski. Good evening. And Harrison-ski and Olansky. Hi. Hey. And we're all in the Kremlin. Yeah, broadcasting from yes. the heart of the Kremlin today. Or I'm, yep. uh, yeah, it's cold. It's cold. Cold Snowing. in the Kremlin. Yeah, Putin just walked by, and the chill that he gave off was just the look he gave phone us. Phone tingling. <laughs> made me made me click my heels, click my jackboots. Yeah, that look said it all. It kill us if we don't deliver. And we've all got back. Yes, we've all got black balaclavas on it, on us at the moment, um, as we uh, go about the business of faking the news. Of course, you know what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fact that the Washington Post recently, although they're not alone, but they stood out in a certain sense over the uh, a few days ago. They took the lead, I suppose, in producing this blacklist of uh, supposed fake news sites, uh, among which was Sat.net. And a number of other, 200 in total, but a number of other uh, notable 
uh, alternative media, as in non-mainstream media, as in non-corporate media-funded websites, uh, staffed by people who also, uh, you know, have an ability to look at world events and uh, comment on them and give sensible, rational, reasonable comments on them. But for that, uh, for engaging in that kind of activity and not relying solely on the mainstream media, uh, all of these websites were all uh, labeled as fake news by the Washington Post and really by several other. This idea of uh, fake news has been around for a couple of weeks. seems to have been uh, provoked <laughs> by the, uh, the wailing the mass wheeling and gnashing of teeth uh, amongst uh, most of the, well, let's call it the liberal media, but most of the U.S. media and European media over the fact that Hillary did not get elected president. And the only way they can explain this is that Russia interfered in the elections primarily by um, hacking the Podesta emails and giving them to WikiLeaks to release and then all of us, Sot.net and all these other websites, all contributed to the propaganda offensive, the Russian propaganda offensive that brought down Hillary. Ergo, we are all fake news websites. And that's why the Washington Post wrote an article a few days ago, a listing, pulling on this list, a blacklist produced by some nebulous group uh, that threw up a website, a group of concerned citizens with backgrounds and all sorts of stuff, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they wrote exactly, but, you know, kind of, I think there were some some intelligence, maybe background people, etc. Very vague. Anyway, it's this website called uh, prop or not, i.e. propaganda or not dot com. And all they did was just uh, produce this, mainly this, uh, this list with a little intro on a web page. And um, this is what the Washington Post then used as evidence that... These websites, including South.net, were all fake news websites, i.e. Kremlin disinfo outlets. So apparently now the Washington Post can, uh, well, they've joined the reality creation community fully now where they can simply come up with a line, then have someone, and I'm pretty sure they know, or the people who made this website with this blacklist, are in some way associated with the mainstream media. So it's kind of like they create their own evidence, mm. anonymous evidence, and then cite the, their own anonymous evidence in an article that backs up their story. So that's how, that's what truth is these days. It's what you make up yourself. That is, of course, fake news. Yes, exactly. That's exactly an example of fake news, which a lot of people have said in the, in the aftermath of this coming out, that this is, in fact, the, the Washington Post people are so idiotic and so um, consumed or immersed in their own subjective bubble world uh, that they didn't realize that in writing this article and citing this blacklist that they more or less made up themselves as evidence that uh, and, and, and presenting it as evidence of fake news, they were actually giving the perfect example of how to create fake news, make stuff up. Well, the, the way this started was kind of interesting because right after the election, the first story that kind of caught my eye about this was this announcement that... Uh, about Facebook and that the all the fake news going around on Facebook was the was the one of the reasons that Trump won the election and like when you looked at um, some of the articles that were talking about this 
they kind of had a point in that, like, when you go on Facebook, there is a ton of, like, real fake news that gets, um, you know, shared around. And I'm talking about these websites, like, I don't even remember their names, but the, the ones that actually post, like, they're, if you search on their website, you might, like, somewhere in the About page find some reference to them being a satire site. And these are sites that actually right. just, they, they make up stories that sound kind of plausible and then post them as if they're real news. And sometimes they can I've be seen kind of, a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. Facebook, yeah. And World so, Daily News or something. No, well. not even. They're just new websites that you've never heard of before. Right. Have silly titles or, or you know, obscure titles type of thing, and they appear as an article on Facebook. And there's, there's stuff like you know, uh, Michelle Obama runs for white runs for presidency or something like that during the or <laughs> Michelle Obama does something that she obviously isn't doing. You know, stuff like that. That's crass, you know. Mm. And I, and I noticed like Harrison was saying over the past few weeks. On Facebook, that I on Facebook on friends on Facebook who are posting this, not a lot of them, but some of them are po- reposting these, and I had to just write underneath, eh, "That's fake. Eh, mm-hmm. That's a fake website." Eh, that's because it was obvious that it was. But I've I've done it a couple of times over the last couple of years. But uh, are you suggesting there's been an increase in yeah. it recently? Yeah, over, after the elect during the election, it sounds to me like they are deliberately putting out fake news to try and obscure the signal a bit, Maybe. and then projecting. No, but it doesn't seem like a the source of it. Onto no, others. but it's not. It's not really. A, it doesn't seem like that to me because these websites are just basically in it for the money or in it for the click clickbait or whatever. Yeah. They're in it just to get attention, you know. And I mean, they can do it quite easily with the preponderance of social media and using social media. It's just people. And the same way people put up uh, fake videos on on YouTube mm. to try and get as many hits as possible, so they can either get some attention or maybe make some money or something. It's similar to that, you know. Um, but they're very few. They're not that many, relatively speaking. And uh, so that's not. But obviously, none of those websites um, were cited in this blacklist. It was all actual. Yeah. The vast majority of them, the 200 websites, the vast majority of them are actual websites that are actually like ours that uh, are publishing, uh, are simply publishing uh, a viewpoint, a perspective, uh, generally far more based in reality and backed up with facts than uh, than the mainstream media. Uh, they're just simply presenting a different viewpoint uh, from that perspective, and uh, these are the ones that are listed as fake news sites by... So it's just... Uh, they're taking the opportunity to... Uh, to and it seems to have coincided with... This, the, 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 the connection between these two is that... I mean, as Harris, Harrison, you were saying there, that it happened during the election, and uh, the main rationale for it is that there were some they just talk about them as fake news stories presented during the election that may have influenced the outcome of the election yeah where uh news stories that got a lot of attention may have influenced and and but what they talk about specifically is uh, when they when they give you any examples of what they're talking about the mainstream media when they give examples and when they read articles about about these these fake news sites uh, pertaining to the election, they generally talk or end up talking about um, the Podesta emails, and they may not again say they refer to, for example, Hillary's uh, Hillary's health issues. Mm-hmm. That there were some news reports or so-called news reports or websites put up stories like Hillary, you know, taken to hospital on death's doorstep, <laughs> stuff that wasn't officially true uh, and they said that this kind of thing <clears throat> could have influenced the election if a, if a lot of people 
actually believe that, that Hillary, for example, one example being Hillary was unfit to be president because she was so ill mm-hmm. when all she had was pneumonia. So they refer to this kind of thing, you know. Um, but of course, none of the websites that they put on this, that they, that they use this blacklist, that this blacklist uh, that are included in this blacklist that the Washington Post cites, none of those websites did that kind of thing. None of, the, none of those websites, as far as I'm aware, very few of them, if any, actually repeated that kind of obvious nonsense. Mm-hmm. But so someone is taking the opportunity, someone in the Washington Post, someone in the US mainstream media is taking the opportunity to try and dismiss real alternative news views like Zot.net uh, under the kind of plausible justification that there are, there were some websites mm-hmm. that did actually create bogus news. Now, I don't believe them that it had any influence on the outcome of the election. These people are just desperately stretching and searching for any excuse, any explanation as to why Hillary did not get elected because they're in their little bubble and they can't believe that reality has done this to them, that reality is different from what they wanted it to be. And of course, it was a big hoo-ha to a certain extent uh, uh, after the election of how the Western media got, and the US media in particular and the European media got the outcome or the result of the election so wrong. So rather than, these people can't stand looking at themselves and actually engaging in some introspection and you know, genuine reflection and concluding that they're full of shit. Uh, they, they can't do that. They won't do that. So they look for another explanation. And it's alternative news websites that they're now lumping in altogether as being the cause of Hillary losing the election because we supposedly sat that net and others spread false information about Hillary that cost her the election, which is obviously patent nonsense. But these people cannot look at themselves and see that they are full of their own hubris. And that that's why they got it wrong. It wasn't that Hillary lost the election. It was that because of some uh, underhanded propaganda from the Kremlin or from anybody, it was because Hillary lost the election because she is a corrupt harpy. I, I can't speak for all the sort editors, but in the weeks before the election, I will put my hand up and say I spread, I uh, put on sort mainstream articles from the 1990s, i.e. from them, from those mainstream sources about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and I just read, I just brought them back back to life. That's fake that's news. That's what they wrote but back that's, then. That's fake news. If it's old, it's fake. Because it doesn't form part of what I want to believe. They've done us a great favor. We don't even need to defend ourselves here. Because people are just bashing it left, no. right, and center on social media. And well, yeah. No one's buying it. So. It's, like, it's kind of like the death throws. You know, no one believes them really anymore. And um, they're just digging their hole even further by, by writing this uh, these articles about fake news and blaming the Kremlin. I mean, it, it means they know they're losing the battle. I mean, they, they, they would recognize all these websites mm. like that. So, um, mm. They're losing. Mm. I have a question for you. If... If we yeah. had, yeah, if we had some objectively critical articles from like the '90s that came out of the mainstream news, um, aimed at Hillary Clinton, what what happened, if anything, between then and now, that they would be so on board with her, regardless of all of this, you know, because of Trump, purely against Trump, Trump and general 
general polarization, a worsening of the conditions in the U.S. between then and now. At least back then, there were enough reporters who would still, you know, push the envelope and challenge their editors, their bosses, and say, "Look, I've got the story. Let me let me get it out there." But today, maybe <clears throat> those same or equivalent people would be less inclined to challenge the status quo or mm-hmm. I think yeah there's that I mean that's that certainly got worse and worse and they've become uh, the corporate media has become more and more controlled like say over the past 25 years you know I think I mean that's evidenced by if you look at the progression today it's something like five or six different uh, corporations own whatever X number 100 plus kind of official uh, newspapers and news outlets are all owned by six corporations uh, and that has progressed to that to that point you know over a, num- a number of decades so certainly the uh, the impartiality of of the western mainstream media has has become uh, greatly re- has greatly reduced uh, and it's become narrowed down into a single almost a single uh, viewpoint over that time and it serves one effectively serves one agenda most of it does. Um, so that agenda was being served during the presidential election, and that agenda was to support Hillary uh, against Trump, you know. Uh, and I think there's also there's a lot of personal motivation, not even talking about a conscious attempt to kind of like favor one candidate over another. I think there was, at a personal level, a lot of the journalists all were, uh, because they're all kind of, lib- a lot of them are kind of liberal-minded types they all were genuinely kind of horrified. They had bought their own propaganda effectively uh, about Trump and were very much pro-Hillary. You know, she's going to be the first woman president. And a lot of them, uh, a lot of them are kind of like, you know, snowflakey type people, you know, uh, neoliberal ideology. And uh, these are the same people who, you know, who who never really apologized um, for reporting for example, the Iraq war lies as truth and getting America and American troops involved in a war for profit. Uh, they spun, they all spun it as a freedom and democracy. They took the, the official narrative and told the American people en masse that's what it was about, that it was a great war for freedom. And they have never really apologized and they have never really changed. They didn't learn the lesson from that, you know. People are very much in their own little kind of bubble, you know, um, where America is an exceptional nation and everything it does is good and great, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and the establishment, American political establishment uh, that represents that, uh, that's that's what they support and they feel secure. They're authoritarians. Uh, they feel secure in supporting that. So the idea of an outsider like Trump coming in was just, you know, when it came down to it, they were just going to not be, they were not going to like that and definitely be in favor of the establishment candidate, which was Hillary Clinton, who, you know, they know... She was Secretary of State before that. You know, she was Senator for a long time when she was uh, First Lady. And, you know, she's she's been there for a long time. They know her. She's, she's, she's like, you know, she's a known quantity. quantity. And they've come to, come to like her as an establishment uh, figure, an authority figure, you know. And Trump just didn't fit the, fit the profile, so they didn't like him, and they freaked themselves out, you know. Mm. We know from the Podesta emails that um, Times, before publishing anything on Hillary, would run a buyer first. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're on a team, effectively. Then there's, uh, I mean, 
there's loads of them. There's this guy who's a smaller, he's actually an old, old timer, um, Brent Budowski, um, writes for the Hill, not mainstream as such, but you know, kind of a local, a Washington pundit place. So I'm an insider. I've got the scoop kind of guy, uh, old school type. And he's, he's there with, he's emailing Podesta back and forth about strategy, how to go about it. Then he's going on press TV and RT and giving them, you know, an angle on things. They're all one team. These people. Yeah. Exactly. That's why, that's why the American people rejected Hillary. They, they saw right through it. One of yeah, the funny they, things about this proper not thing that, you know, from the Washington Post just these past few days is that if you go to their page, the first video they have on there is this interview that I think Samantha B, I can't remember what network she's for. She went yeah. to Moscow looking for the, uh, the Kremlin trolls, the, you know, the troll factory, <laughs> the Kremlin troll factory. And, uh, so she's got this interview with these two uh, self-described Kremlin trolls wearing black balaclavas talking about how they do their, uh, you know, their disinfo online. Their Kremlin. Their yeah. Kremlin disinfo. And the thing is, is, um, like RT found these two people and interviewed them where they admitted that it was a total hoax. They realized, so they you did know, just for the money. Yeah, they did it just for the money because they, they saw this, this, uh, <laughs> journalist looking for Kremlin trolls and they're like, oh, well, she's not going to find any. I mean, we might as well go and get some money and uh, tell her the story yeah, exactly. she wants to hear. And so, so, they got paid 10 grand each for it for giving their story, you know, because she thought it was like, a, okay, you're risking your life and they, they played it all up. Yeah, this is very dangerous for us to kind of do this. We need a lot of money and stuff. She got taken to the cleaners and she produces it as a, as a genuine yeah. story. It's like, see, there are Kremlin trolls and then RT goes and finds them and they say, yeah, we were just messing around. But, and they never crossed that number. Sorry, Harrison, go on. Well, it just makes me wonder, because if you look at this website and you see what they, you know, the video that they post, and then the list of all these, like, really good alternative news websites, and some are pretty obscure, you'd wonder how, how like, yeah. these mainstream people even know about them. And then you look at the, the list of their allies, like Bellingcat, and then Bellingcat tweets that he had no idea who these people were, and he didn't give them permission to put his, you know, to be listed right. as, as an ally. It makes me wonder, and I saw someone else bring this up, if this site in itself isn't just another hoax, like if someone's just like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna put together a list of all these, like, you know, great sites and call them yeah. Russian propaganda. And if, if that uh -huh. was true, I think it would just be hilarious that the Washington Post got well, taken in by... <laughs> that's the thing. We can have a lot of fun with these guys. I mean... um. I think I think this is being done in some other context. There was some. Where did I hear that uh, there was a theory that maybe it was a joke? A comedian did. It, I'm not sure. It was a, th a theory that it was the Moscow. Behind, it was the Kremlin behind these rumors that all these Western alternative sites are supported by the Kremlin to make the U.S. think the U.S. government think that they were. I mean, you you can you can have endless regression with it, you know, and just lead them around in circles. I mean, that, that Samantha B is such a numbnut. It never crossed her mind. She flies into Moscow <laughs> and goes looking for trolls. And it never crossed her mind once that, how am I able to do this if this is the case? Yeah. I'm interviewing them in Moscow and then I'm out of the country with the report. I mean, the FFB must be laughing all the way to... Yeah, I mean, there's no thought behind it, obviously. No, no, no logic behind it whatsoever. Because she's going with the idea on the totalitarian kind of Putin dictatorship state, where it's uh, all the media is state-controlled, state-funded, 
and uh, they have this tr- troll factory seeking to uh, demonize and discredit American democracy. But that's so it's a totalitarian kind of system that she walks into, and she thinks she can walk into it and find two of these trolls and sit them down, give them money, and have an interview with them. But but that's that's. Those two ideas are mutually uh, incompa- yeah. incompatible. You know, you can't walk into a dictatorship and find two trolls who are going to expose the fact inside the country that they are that they're working they're <laughs> working for uh, expose expose one of the uh, the schemes of the, of the country inside the totalitarian country. It doesn't fit, you know. But she's yeah, she's a numbnut. So, um, what are you going to do? But. Yeah, the fact that we can have fun with these people, and that's true, I think we can have a lot of fun, and uh, in terms of, I'm talking here about the Western media, the fact that we can actually make fun of them in this way, by even by releasing uh, kind of fake stories, let's say, uh, on a, you know, and, and kind of playing up their, 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 their gullibility, or exploiting their gullibility, uh, should be something that they should take notice of. The fact that people are that people are able to do this, you know, um, that for example, we're able to, like on the show today, play the Russian national anthem and talk in Russian accents. Uh, badly, badly. <laughs> the fact that we can do that, and everybody understands why we're doing it and what it means, and that it's actually lampooning the U.S. media. I, mean, you I get, don't know. You get the to, NSA guys listening in on this, you probably... You, uh, could, you, could get to a, you could get to a ridiculous situation where, which isn't probably very far away, or is here right now, where uh, the Washington Post would listen to this show and then write an article about it and use right. the fact that we played the national anthem at the beginning yeah. as evidence that they were right all along. To, into, to even more hilarity from everybody, you know, mm-hmm. to everybody, the whole world, you know, they just let them, give them as much rope as they want because they are hanging themselves and they don't even know it. And, exactly. And that, that alone in itself is evidence that they're full of shit, that they're, that, yeah. they're, that they're delusional and that they themselves are the fake news websites mm. because they can't even discern truth from reality anymore uh, because they have invested and engaged themselves for so long in lies and subjective nonsense passed to them by their political masters, they have lost the ability to discern uh, truth from lies. Uh, therefore, they are discredited, and, and there's no point. No one should ever listen to anything they ever say. Well, back in the summer when the DNC leaks came out, and Donald Trump was giving a talk at a rally, and he said, "Great, I hope Russia releases more emails." Everyone understood that he was tongue in cheek, right? But they took that. But they went, oh my God, look, it's true. Putin just outed him. Putin is, Trump is Putin's baby. (laughs) And he's he's trying to subvert the US elections. Oh my God. And they rammed it for months. And they didn't realize that probably one of the key things that lost the election for Hillary. Possibly. Her harping on about the name, harping on about the Kremlin is behind this. That was just seen. They didn't realize at the time, but that was seen by a lot of people as them simply. Uh, as an implausible BS uh, explanation. And that when Trump was saying that he was, you know, having fun with it mm-hmm. and speaking to the seriousness of Hillary's crimes. But if, if, you, if you keep giving a, an implausible, uh, that, an implausible explanation for, uh, for your 
for your corruption or why people think badly of you. You know, if, if people think badly of me for whatever reason, um, you know, and it's usually stuff that they've, they've ascertained themselves just by watching me and seeing that I'm, say, a, a corrupt person. And if I come out publicly and start blaming, like, uh, Santa Claus, if I start saying Santa Claus did it, all that does, because that's implausible, all that does is reinforce the idea that I'm a corrupt liar, you know? So she would have been far better to actually address some of the issues that people were uh, didn't that people thought about her and think about her which is that she's corrupt she would have been far better to address honestly the corruption then she would have actually got people on her side but by effectively lying by repeatedly saying the Kremlin did this Russia did this Russia's interfering and that doesn't fly with anybody because it's completely implausible she just makes herself look even worse but that's a function of people who are just uh, lost in their own subjective delusion, delusional world of of make believe, and um, uh, it's only going to get worse. Mm. Yeah, what the was the specific? Go ahead. Man. Um, I I was going to ask what was the specific tie-in with Russia and the Kremlin in this blacklist article in the Washington Post? So they're saying it's fake news that proliferated on on the net. Uh-huh. And that it's all being churned out by the Kremlin, or what? Well, they're saying they tie in this. They're the saying that, mm. that they believe this proper not website believes that there's a small but concerted effort on the Kremlin to uh, to insert, you know, the the Kremlin propaganda line into Western media, <clears throat> and that probably a few of these websites are direct participants in, you know, knowingly working for the Kremlin, but for the most part, probably... They actually said working with Russian, that have Russian intelligence officers yeah. advising them. But that the rest are wow. either, are, are maybe unwitting dupes and useful idiots who just go along with it and aren't even aware that they're um, selling the, you know, the Kremlin party line. Mm. Okay, so they didn't quite go all in there and make no. claim that they're all... No, well, they said wedding or unwitting, yeah. Yeah, that was one article, and but then just to reinforce the line, the main message they wanted to get across, there was this other op-ed, wasn't there, in the Washington Post the same day? Well, several, several articles, and there have been several articles, not just in the Washington Post, but in other mm. mainstream, you know, U.S. outlets like the New York Times, and all saying the same thing, all hammering this line of uh, Kremlin kind of propaganda. Mm-hmm. And it's been, obviously it goes back a long time, back to the, you know, the, the Senate had to, you know, uh, I think there was some congressional hearing on RT and Sputnik and all this kind of stuff where John Kerry talked about them. It's been going on for a long time, uh, basically saying, you know, why don't we have something like RT in the Russian language, you know? Uh, why don't we when have a do. similar a setup? When they actually do, yeah. Uh, but the problem is that what, it, what they can't accept and they never will be able, able to accept is that the reason... Uh, um, media outlets like RT are having so much success while the Western media is increasingly going down the, the toilet in terms of readership and popularity is because RT is largely telling the truth. But they can never accept that because they believe themselves to be the upholders of truth, uh, the bastion of truth, and they always will be, and that everything they think and believe is the truth, and they keep repeating it. So they will never be able to approach that situation and actually uh, 
rectify it. Uh, they'll never actually be able to compete with outlets like RT because it's like saying, well, how can the lie compete with the truth? Why are people not believing? What they're really saying is, why are people not believing? Or what they're really wondering about and trying to figure out is, why are people not believing our lies and instead believing the truth? How do we, how do we fix that? Do we throw more money at it? Should we tell bigger lies? Well, of course, they see their lies as truth, you know, and, and they're just delusional. It's, just, it's like exactly the same thing as I was saying about Hillary, you know. She believes that uh, she's not corrupt, but everybody else does. So she thinks the way to convince everybody that she's not corrupt is to blame someone else. By blaming someone else, an implausible uh, culprit, uh, she just makes herself look even more of a liar. And and she goes spirals down, and the, the Western media and the Western establishment will continue to spiral down into that hole of subjectivity and lies all the while believing that they're telling the truth and being bewildered at the fact that no one is believing them. Well, uh, the Washington Post journalist, if you want to call him that, Josh Rogan, who's largely responsible for propagating a lot of this fake news uh, kind of meme, was on CNN in an interview recently. And uh, he was defending, you know, the, the whole, um, this whole position with like one or two other pundits. And then he said that Brexit was actually financed by the, by the Kremlin as well. And it was a kind of testament to just how delusional even some people in, you know, the media uh, realize this is, that one of the CNN pundits said that it was completely absurd. And Rogan just maintained that, uh, no, it's true. You could look it up. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't think everyone's buying it in the media. I, I think that there is, um, there's a good percentage, certainly. But uh, I think it's, it strains the, uh, the, the limits of credibility, even among some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even a couple of years ago, the head of NATO, then head of NATO, Rasmussen, said that uh, all protests against fracking in the UK, and mine, but also in the US, were the work of the Kremlin. Um, but it, go, it, goes, it goes to anything that is not going for them but is the Kremlin. What's amazing about this is this is something that is eminently understandable by the average person in the street because they have experience of it in their own lives. They've, most people have come across someone who continues to blame someone else for what are obviously their problems uh, or, or, or for things that they have done or mistakes that they have made or screw-ups that they have, uh, they're responsible for and they always blame someone else. They keep on blaming someone else when it, to the point of, of ridiculousness where and, and people just Ultimately, people just look at this. They, they kind of consign to the loony bin. They just walk away and say, this, and this person is lost, you know? I mean, yeah, P Putin did this. I mean, they, they don't, it's amazing that they don't understand. They can't even engage in the little bit of self-reflection and even uh, in their own interest, you know, in terms of self-preservation and in increasing, uh, uh, pushing forward their agenda, that they would see that this is shooting themselves in the foot every time, over and over again. Every time they say Putin did it, Putin did it, people laugh louder and louder. But that doesn't stop them. They hear the laughing and they say, and then, well, what actually happens is 
ultimately the end of this is that the people who are laughing at you because you keep saying Putin did it, you start blaming Putin for making them laugh at you. Uh, that the entire American population that doesn't believe the mainstream media have all had their minds infected by Putin. That it's all someone else's fault. That the idea that you could be the bullshit artist and that you should take a look at yourself and uh, and that people aren't believing you because you are a liar and you keep on lying, that can never be considered by these people for some bizarre reason. And oh, Well, we know the reason. It's just pure uh, kind of entropy and self-absorption and subjectivity and it's I mean it's, it's kind of ties ties into it's very interesting the way this is going on at the time that, that you have Trump coming on the scene the mainstream media having a freak out about it Hillary kind of blaming Putin and Russian hackers for everything that everything bad that happened to her it's every it's it's always someone else's fault it's always Putin's fault anything bad that happens to me anytime anybody reflects to me something that I don't like about myself it's someone else's fault I should never look in the mirror because the mirror doesn't exist because whatever I project out there is what's real, regardless of the re- the reaction I get to. And, uh, and um, so you have Trump coming along and at the same time, more or less around the same time as the election, you have this uh, the stuff we talked about last week about uh, transgender issues and pronouns and this guy, um, Jordan Peterson, who is a University of Toronto professor who is has taken the kind of lead in speaking out against this because that issue of transgender pronouns is very much related, is intricately related to what we've been talking about, which is extreme subjectivity and to the whole neoliberal snowflake thing, which is, uh, in a word, is is really just, um, is extreme, there are two words, it's extreme subjectivity. Um, it's the same, it's just another symptom of this malaise that has taken uh, hold of the minds, I suppose, and collectively of the American mind, at least one section of it, the establishment and the people that follow it. Uh, it's bizarre. It's like a some kind of a, a virus that has, has spread amongst people and it's just popping out in different ways and you see it you see it everywhere, you know, symptom of, symptoms of it uh, uh, appearing in, in many different places, you know. Well, I had a little shock uh Yesterday, when I was reading about the recount that Jill Stein is sort of um, uh, being the front man for, uh, this, of course, is the um, the recount for uh, for votes. I think in in Michigan and one or two other states, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Yeah, and uh, apparently, as part of her pitch, um, you know, she includes the possibility of of Russian interference, and. Um, and when I read that, I thought, you know, at two, Jill Stein, you know, you're going in that direction as well. You're you who have been, you know, so kind of outspoken and sharp and and on target with so many things that are wrong with U.S. domestic and foreign policy are falling into this trap as well. So, mm. and then this morning, this Stephen is- Ledman uh, had a piece up on Zero Hedge, pretty much saying the same thing and holding the same feelings towards her. Uh, she has, I mean, you could argue that she is really kind of uh, upset about Trump winning, but, um, you know, does that justify kind of effectively falling into the the sphere of and, the, and, and being a tool for uh, the Clinton political machine? Uh, so well, yeah, well, I don't know if she's necessarily doing it 
specifically for that, but it's kind of like uh, whatever works because I'm sure she um, is under is, is has an idea or suspicion that uh, she didn't get all the votes. If there's if there's if there was some kind of vote rigging going on, then she may not have got all the votes that she was entitled to. And she was really hoping to get that five percent, which would give her a a bunch of cash, like ten million dollars or something. And that's when it all changes, supposedly, when you get to the five percent mark. You know, you're a real politician, you're a real candidate, you're a real com- contender, and she didn't get that. So I mean, you can imagine all the, the the ideas that are floating around her mind, and that she sees. Um, I don't think she was ever. A supporter of Trump, and we don't really know. I don't know what her views on Trump were, but uh, I can imagine it would be pretty easy just to throw a bunch of cash her way and say, "Listen, you you go for the recount." I don't think they're going to push this too far, and we'll come in behind you because it won't backfire on them. Because we suspect that they're going to find that a, a lot of Trump votes were flipped mm-hmm. in the other direction. So, uh, but maybe not in those three states. Well, there maybe, was that's why they picked, maybe that's why they picked those three states and only those three states. Mm. Well, there was something interesting about that because uh, a couple of us stayed up here, like for, for you know almost the whole night, you know, until until the results came out, and we were watching certain websites. Um, like I think there was there was the 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 maps on like New York Times and Yahoo and CNN. And on one of the big ones, I, th- I can't remember which was the best one that that we ended up kind of. Uh, Deciding on, I think it was the New York Times that had the like the most up to date results, um, like you know the most updates and uh, mo- most up to date um, results and from the counts from all these counties and states. And while it was going on, there was something that happened. It was really strange, and it happened at about two a.m. Eastern time. And this was in Pennsylvania because at this time, the those three north northern northeastern states were still up in the air. It was a uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. So Wisconsin goes to Trump, and then uh, Pennsylvania is is you know a big electoral college state, so a lot of uh, electoral college votes. And they, so at this at this time around two two a.m., they're reporting, okay, now we've got ninety five percent plus of the the vote counted, and it's going to Trump. And so they finally called the state to Trump. Now as this was going on, we were. A few of us were also watching the the news, like on TV, and seeing how the TV channels were reporting on it. And none of them, um, like, they waited another half an hour before they called Pennsylvania, even though it was uh, it was already being called on these websites with ninety five, and then like ninety nine percent plus. And right as this happened, it was ninety nine percent plus, and all of a sudden, it changed down to eighty five percent, and. On the news channels, they were saying, "Oh, well, there are these there are these few counties that still haven't reported their all their results in, and it might take like uh, another like twelve hours because these are all um, like absentee ballots and uh, mail in ballots, and 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 coincidentally, this main county, uh, I forget the name of it, um, in Pennsylvania, was a pro Hillary um, county, and so that was one of the only counties in Pennsylvania that was going to Hillary." So they were saying, oh, well, conceivably, this could push her over the top. And so for about 10 to 15 minutes, these websites had gone from giving the the state to Trump to giving it to Hillary and saying there's only 85%. And then there was this kind of hiccup on the websites where you would, like, refresh it and it would show 98% reporting, 85% reporting, and it would go back and forth. 
until finally it went back up to 99% and, and they officially declared Trump the winner. So there was something mm-hmm. really strange going on in this Pennsylvania County where they were, because like both results couldn't be true. They couldn't have either had 99% plus or 85%. Like uh, it was totally contradictory. So when I was seeing that at first, my first thought was that, oh, geez, they're going to, you know, that's, you know, Clinton has called in her, her cronies and they're going to try to, to steal the vote in Pennsylvania by adding in all these extra ballots in this Pennsylvania uh, county. Mm. And then, then, it, then it just switched back. And it's like, it, it, it looked as if, like, as I was watching it, the, what went through my, my mind is that someone said, okay, no, we're not going to do it. And, uh, and they just went with the, the previous results and Trump won. So, no, we can't, or we can't do it. Or we can't do it. It's not going to work. Yeah. So conceivably, I mean, if these, if there's a recount, I mean, I don't know how the system works, how the recount works, because, you know, like, was it Stalin said, it's not, you know, who votes, it's who count, who counts the votes. So I, 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 I assume it would be easy enough to, um, to steal a recount as it was as it would be to steal the actual vote i mean it's just you if you've got the people there doing the recount they can recount it the way they want to recount it i don't know what kind of uh, measures they take to avoid that scenario but if there were a real recount they might find that um that clinton got even fewer votes than she actually uh you know did in the official election results that would uh-huh. be interesting so who knows how how that would how that is actually going to turn out i don't know yeah, it'd be interesting if they're so clueless that they would allow that to happen. You know, you'd think that if there was some rigging against Trump, you know, that even goes to Hillary, that in those states that the yeah. the people involved in that would say, "Listen, don't bother doing that." You know, don't uh, don't go there. You know, it's not going to end well. Well, I think I heard. Um, I just saw the headline. I didn't read the story, but it was something. I believe it was either a statement from Hillary or from someone associated with her campaign basically saying they don't expect the recount to to change anything. Mm. So I think that's kind of the way this money. is going. Yeah, they've kind of they've kind of accepted the results and they're at least, you know, they're you know, at least one indication that they're not going to kind of uh push it to the limits and try to um try to change anything from it. Yeah. I think they're just gonna reinforce the idea that Hillary won the popular vote. Mm-hmm. Therefore, America's divided. Therefore, Trump isn't really a legitimate president. Well, That's what they're trying to Well, they've done that get already. That. And yeah. That's kind of fizzled out, you know. Um, but they'll continue to try and feed into that dissatisfaction and disgruntlement, uh, I think, for as long as they can uh, and find different ways to do it. Um mm-hmm. If, if, you know, if only to kind of bolster Hillary's uh, um, image among many people yeah. who, who might still buy the lie in a big way. Yeah. And they'll use fake news to do it. <laughs> yeah, getting back to the fake news business, I mean, there's so much, I don't know, it's getting to the point where you feel like you don't really have to comment on it anymore because it's so obvious. Um but during the during the presidential campaign, there was one thing that that stood out to me that no one actually addressed. No one in the Western media addressed when they were claiming that um, when Hillary's camp, etc., were claiming that 
the Russian government at the Kremlin or Putin or whoever was attempting to swing the election towards Trump by releasing these, by hacking these Podesta emails and giving them to WikiLeaks to release them. They didn't, no one ever brought up the point that, well, what's in the emails? Mm-hmm. Of course, they discussed the emails and they knew what was in the emails and it pointed to corruption uh, amongst the, the Hillary, Hillary gang. But even acknowledging that, they still said that this was an attempt to discredit American democracy. And none of them, not one of them had the gumption or the, <laughs> the logic or the clarity of mind or anything or journalistic integrity to say, well, if these emails expose corruption by a presidential candidate during the presidential election, isn't that supporting American democracy? Because if a presidential candidate was corrupt and potentially ineligible for office because of her corruption, uh, surely covering that up or that not being revealed and that person getting elected would be fundamentally anti-democratic. So anybody who, who exposes the corruption, uh, potentially excluding her from, from office, is, is supporting American democracy. But apparently not one of them actually made that connection, you know. It was all um, focused on the idea that this was foreign interference. But that's secondary. Foreign interference is secondary. And it's irrelevant, really, who is um, behind it. The, the primary importance of, of that kind of information is the fact that it exposes the wrongdoing of a presidential uh, presidential candidate and therefore uh, it's in the interests of democracy of fair uh, elections that elect the right person, the person who is eligible to be elected I think I heard Putin say something like that yeah mm. But apparently the mainstream media when he says it though. But the mainstream media was unable to actually see that logic themselves, which is which is very it's 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 empirical, it's very clear, it's simple, it's black and white. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> they don't deal in, in obvious stuff anymore. They deal in what they make up and what they want to believe and they I mean the mainstream media here, you're talking about like I mentioned earlier on, they're talking about the media, the Western US media who parlayed the or disseminated the uh, Iraq war lies that led to the deaths of, in reality, probably tens of thousands of U.S. soldiers and 1.5 million Iraqis. A war for a profit uh, on a on a bogus pretext that manipulated and lied to and conned the American people into supporting it. And this is also there's that aspect, and there's also the media, the the reality of how the media has worked for a long time in the USA, which is, I mean, there's, there, there was a story back in uh, 2006 in, uh, in the Western, in the, in, I think it was in the Guardian in the UK, talking about this, uh, it was just one, one small aspect of it because it was, this was much more widespread than this, but there was a reference to this group called uh, the Lincoln Group, which was uh, headed by one guy called Christian Bailey, an English guy, and a, a former US Marine called 
Paige Craig and the Christian, the Amer- um, yeah, Christian Bailey, who was a British guy. And the two of them set up this, this group called the Lincoln Group. And they were given $100 million. Uh, and they had no background in journalism. And their job was to uh, plant stories in the, in the press in Iraq and in the Western press by fabricating them. In fact, they were a, li- a liaison between the U.S. military and the Western press. So they would go in and get information uh, from U.S. soldiers who had no understanding or awareness whatsoever about what they were talking about, had not even left the green zone, for example, get an opinion from them. Uh, and these were probably PSYOPs guys themselves, so it was all part of a part of a piece. And they would fabricate stories about what was going on in Iraq and then fund, uh, funnel that to as an official source to the Western press. So what you got for the entire kind of 10 years of the Iraq, of the Iraq occupation was a deliberate government-funded, Pentagon-funded, $100 million from the Pentagon to these guys to make stuff up about what was going on in Iraq, to make it sound like it was all wonderful, when in fact it was not, because there were other sources from other uh, other areas that were you know, <laughs> reporting something closer to the truth, that it was a complete and utter disaster and a bloodbath. But they were deliberately and consciously tasked with fabricating positive news stories throughout Iraq that were lies giving to the Western media to um, to report to the American people. And that's, you know, that's going back 13 years. And that was, these are stories that will appear in the Washington Post, CNN, Fox News, and every single other outlet. They all just repeated the same stuff. So this is, they did fake news uh, is... Rich coming from them. Well, it's nothing, man, it's nothing new. Think of uh, the Syrian conflict. Yeah. Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. Yeah. I mean, they're quoted in like, what, 90% of, of Western articles and, and TV reports. Yeah. This is a guy in London mm-hmm. who who's actually a convicted criminal in Syria, left the country, has a, a grievance with the old regime, of course, yeah. is admittedly recruited by MI6. And people just eat it up. Yeah, and then you have Colin Powell at the UN justifying the Iraq war with his little vial of anthrax and the information about the anthrax, mobile anthrax labs running around Iraq were given to the, the Pentagon by Curveball, this Iraqi guy who was an expat Iraqi who was a criminal who was, who was uh, convicted for embezzlement of state funds. And he went to Germany and hooked up with uh, German and American intelligence and spun them a load of nonsense about Iraqi weapons of mass destruction. And they knew that, and it's come out since then, a long, long time ago, that they knew that it was nonsense. And But they gave it to the media as well to spread around. And Colin Powell went to the UN and spread the lies from... He was, he was basically a taxi driver who supposedly knew the exact details, all the ins and outs of Saddam Hussein's uh, weapons of mass destruction or chemical weapons factories. A taxi driver. He knew down to the, he could he could draw pictures. He did draw some pictures, quite bad ones actually. I could have done better myself of centrifuges, <laughs> centrifuges and stuff. They looked up on the internet, and um, and this was used as this was the rationale that everyone was swept up with uh, by the media. Uh, Is this the guy? 
it's just a guy who describes something that's actually um, a prop from a Hollywood movie in the 90s, The Rock. The Rock? This came out recently that... Um, yeah. I don't know if that was curveball or not. Pe- yeah. But well, it was to do with the the the, the Nin- case for going to war with Iraq, wasn't it? I think he, one of the key pieces of evidence was a drawing or a retelling of what this thing looked like that the Iraqis were building, mm. and what the guy was describing was recently admitted to have been actually a prop that was used in this Hollywood movie where Sean Connery and yeah it was very- Nic- Nicholas Cage, I think, are, are you know handling this very delicate something out of the centrifuge and it's glowing green balls of some deadly chemical or kryptonite oh my god yeah yeah that came out in the Chilcot report right Mm. yes that's it yeah so this is it's Thank Say that you. again, Joe. You you huh? you were breaking up when you said that. I was breaking up. Yeah, uh, it's it's gratifying to see that this is actually there's a certain that there is a process, a natural order of things that when uh, establishment media tells lies over over decades, really, and, and, and increases themselves in their lies, and their lies get more and more egregious over that period of time, that there is a process that people, humanity, human beings, still have the ability to go. I think they're full of BS, you know, mm-hmm. to recognize it um, after a certain period of time. Of course, you have to suffer through those of us who can, who, who have maybe, you know, more well-attuned bullshit meters have to suffer through the period where we see it and the, the general population doesn't. But at least after a certain period of time, the these liars, these mainstream media liars will ultimately discredit themselves because they will just... Uh, as they increase in their lives, they believe their own lies, they believe their own propaganda more and more and more, and they get careless and they start they start literally um, pr- promoting or presenting to the public uh, figments of their imagination as fact that have no source for them. And in fact, like with the Washington Post recently, uh, they have to wake it up, they have to make it up themselves, they have to make up some little website that creates a blacklist that says these are all propaganda, Kremlin propaganda outlets. And can cite that as your source. My source is myself. The stuff that I just made up is my source. And, you know, it's, it's good, but um, I don't know to what extent, you know, you talk about the mainstream media kind of losing funny, popularity know. and stuff, but to what extent is that true? And I don't know, it's, uh, it's really important, though, you know, because, I mean, this for years, believing we... lies has a very bad effect on your, uh, not only on your own physiology and your own brain functions and stuff. But it'll lead you down a path to very bad, bad situations, you know, where, where you just believe monstrous, big lies about things, you know. It, it doesn't go anywhere good. Well, there was a, yeah. a, a poll about 9-11 recently where um, I think like 54 or 56% of those polled didn't believe uh, the official narrative about 9-11. And that was... 15, you know, this is a, a story going on 15 years. Um, so it, it's it's becoming easier, uh, I think, for people to uh, question what they're being told because if, if they can be lied to about something as big and horrible uh, as 9-11, then, it, then it's, it becomes easier to question 
um, other narratives. And, uh, but, um, like you said, Joe, there, you know, there's a, a kind of a process involved and, um, and they are hanging themselves by continuing to, you know, put lie upon lie and, and with every lie, it, it, it it's just more absurd and, and unbelievable. So, uh, I think we'll, we'll you know, <laughs> we're coming to a kind of critical mass of, of bullshit that, uh, that will just turn in on itself almost fully. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and as, as your lies have to get bigger and bigger as you on a certain course, uh, but what you're doing is not true. Uh, and then if there's any question about that, or if it starts to leak to you, what you told people is not true, you have to tell a bigger lie or a different kind of lie to to cover that up. And then further, further, and lie upon lie upon lie, and you end up with this massive, monstrous lie that at a certain point, when it reaches a certain critical mass, it's just no longer believable. You can't actually make anyone believe it anymore because you have made this massive ball of lies and uh, and and... And none of it rings true, you know, and they're capitalizing. They think they have a lot of, they had a lot of political capital from 9-11 because 9-11 was the kind of big lie in the sense that it wasn't just uh, someone saying, someone in authority saying, Saddam's a bad man, we should get him and everybody will love us if we invade their country. The, 9/11, the Iraq war and the invasion of Afghanistan uh, were justified on the basis of 9-11. And 9-11 was, was a way to uh, make it real for people, to make the lie real, you know, and you made it real for them by kind of bludgeoning the, the American uh, public body, essentially, with the attacks on 9-11 and the deaths of 3,000 people. You made it very real, viscerally real for them because they saw all of that happening and it all did happen. Uh, and then on the back of that, you can tell any lie you want and people will believe it. But 9-11 is, you know, 15 years ago. And um, and it's running. That political capital that they had since then is uh, freedom and democracy and all the business. It's getting a bit threadbare at this stage and they're really scraping the barrel. They're out of, they're out of cash in terms of that political capital that they had from 9-11. Mm-hmm. But apparently they doubled down, you know. Well, do we want to go yeah. to to Brent's segment? I think he's got some updates on Standing Rock and some police stories. So do we have any final thoughts on our previous topics? Let's do Brent. All right. Where's your warrant? Where's your warrant? Show me the warrant. Where's your warrant? We don't need a warrant. Yes, you do. They just said they did not have a warrant. Get out of my house unless you have a warrant right now. Keep smiling at me. Like this is some kind of funny thing. Okay. I, okay? Nothing funny about that. No, wait. Then stop smiling. Wait. Wait. How did you get hit? Good. Good now. Hello, comrades. How's it going? <laughs> hey, comrade. Hello, comrade Brent. Comrade um, Brent. What news have yes. you for us? Uh, lots of news. Um, the biggest news that's been going around is um, this assault that happened. It's almost a week ago now. It was last Sunday night. Um, a bunch of water protectors uh, at the Standing Rock um, 
self-preservation, took it upon themselves to clear out these burned out military vehicles that had blocked uh, effectively the most direct route to their camp. And it was also the best way for emergency services to get in and out. So protesters went to try to remove these uh, these vehicles from blocking the road. Um, the Morton County Sheriff's Department decided that they did not like that. And so they began firing rubber bullets, um, tear gas, beanbags um, at the crowd. And after the, you know, other water protectors heard the gunfire, you know, more people naturally came to kind of be in solidarity, to record video. Um, and uh, it ended up being a 10-hour assault on these unarmed people. And the police severely injured, um, I think they hospitalized something like uh, – 30 to 40 people. Um, the uh, emergency responders referred to it as a mass casualty event. They used uh, water cannons in uh, less than freezing temperatures. It was about 20, 25 degrees Fahrenheit, um, and soaking the crowd. Um, you know, and, and that's literally, you know, you're putting people in danger of hypothermia. Uh, there was one girl, a 21 year old woman from New York City. Uh, her name was Sophia Lewinsky, uh, Wolanski, and she got hit by a, uh, a percussion grenade, um, and it exploded right on her left forearm, and it basically vaporized flesh and bone, um, leaving her hand only connected by the tiniest amount. The reports that I've read said that about 80% of the tissue on her left forearm between her elbow and her wrist was gone. Um, they're still, she's still undergoing repeated surgeries to try to repair the damage. Um, <clears throat> and it's just, it, it's amazing the, the amount of callous violence that was inflicted on these people. And it's kind of ironic that it happened, you know, the week right before Thanksgiving and that this violence continued throughout the holiday. You know, we're supposed to be celebrating uh, peace between Native Americans and, you know, European colonialists. It's like we're having almost a, a repeat of history now with these police uh, coming in and inflicting all this damage on these unarmed protests. Yeah, it's pretty um, symbolic, enough, right? Yeah, it's very symbolic. And I think what really strikes me is that, you know, we've been talking about police violence for, for months now, and it seems almost as if this event is like a culmination of everything that has come before it. We've had, you know, stories about police abusing people in custody. We've seen that here. We've seen stories about people, you know, being subjected to, you know, disproportionate amount of violence. We're seeing that again here. Um, and getting in with the topic of today's show, the fact that we're talking about fake news, the media has been, was for a long time, they were virtually silent on the protests, not giving them any coverage. And then when they began to, to finally start talking about it, they were regurgitating lies put out by the Morton County uh, Sheriff's Department about, you know, trying to portray these protesters as violent, you know, unruly. When you look at articles, uh, you know, look at direct video, you know, you talk to people who are there or you read their interviews, it's very clear that this is a gathering of peaceful, unarmed people um, they've also described their, their tribal leaders are not even describing it as a protest. They're describing it as a, uh, you know, a religious gathering ceremonies being held at a sacred place. Um, they repeatedly emphasize nonviolence to, you know, anybody that comes into their community. Um, 
Water protectors are constantly looking out for one another. Um, you know, they're sharing food, they're sharing water, they're sharing housing. It's, it's, it's a very much a, a peaceful sort of almost religious community. And it, it's just amazing the amount of violence and disrespect that, that they're being subjected to. Um, do you, they're talking do you about, know about how many, how many people are there? It's like a couple hundred, uh, I think about. Okay. Yeah, they, they have, uh, it, it varies because people come, people go. Um, but right. it, if you look at pictures, uh, there's at least a, couple, a few dozen uh, tents. Now they've actually brought in um, mobile homes. Um, there was a, a recent story about uh, Jane Fonda. She donated uh, two large yurts and four small um, house-like structures to the camp uh, in preparation for winter. Um, and recently, the, the newest thing now is that the Armity Corps of Engineers has put out a uh, kind of a press release or a, a paper that says that they're no longer going to allow um, the camp, uh, which the, the current main camp is um, right along the uh, or close to the construction site. And they now have said that because of winter and because of public safety and everything, they're making these uh, native lands off limits to the public and that they're going to have to move to the quote-unquote free speech zone south of where um, the Cannibal River uh, crosses. So their, uh, their deadline for that is now December 5th. And I read another article that that is um, uh, the birthday of uh, General Custer, who is notoriously <laughs> uh, right. known for uh, the massacre at Wounded Knee, I think it was. So yeah. it's just... It's very symbolic, this whole thing. Um, there's a, another story about a protester who's... I'm sorry, did you have something? Else? I was just going to comment that it, it's probably going to end the way of Occupy, for example. I mean, if they could go to a square in New York City overnight and just practically bowl those people out, it's, it's, I can't see the army doing anything less than that, clearing yeah, well, people away. The Morton County Sheriff is saying that it's responsible of, of the responsibility of the U.S. government to come in and, and handle that part. So I don't know if they actually want the if, if the the sheriffs and the police they might not want to actually go in and, and be the ones moving people out. Um, the leader of the tribe um, has come out and said publicly that the state of their intention that they will not leave, um, that they will continue to be there and practice nonviolence. Um, John F. Kennedy Jr. recently came out um, and was in favor of the protesters, saying that, quote, Dakota, Dakota Access Pipeline will enrich a few but impoverish the nation. Um, there's also a story going around that, uh, according to court documents, the um, Dakota Access Pipeline Company has uh, – their, their contract is such that if they aren't actually moving oil by January 1st, 2017, their contract will expire. So some people have theorized that this is why there's this new push to get them out and get them out now. Um, interestingly, President Obama still hasn't said anything new. I mean, he came out weeks ago and said that we're just going to let it play out and see what happens. There have been memes and petitions and all kinds of stuff, you know, asking him to get involved, and he's still completely radio silent on the matter. Um, there's articles about... Uh, agent prov provocateurs that have been trying to infiltrate the camp. There was one guy who uh, dressed up like a protester 
and he drove into the camp. He was armed with a sidearm and, a, and an assault rifle. And um, immediately the protesters responded. Um, they kind of corralled him off the road away from the camp. And um, eventually he got out of his vehicle. And I think the Bureau of Indian Affairs eventually arrested him. And then after the fact, uh, protesters went into the truck that he had been driving and found identification that showed him to be a security contractor for the Dakota Access Pipeline Company. So it's, it's a lot of the same stuff. We're seeing a lot of lies from the police. Um, in other news, um, we have a story about an officer that was arrested for um, shoving his baton into an inmate's anus. Uh, who was apparently not being cooperative when they wanted to fingerprint uh, and photograph him. And officer, his fellow officers found his abuse of this inmate so egregious that they, they turned him in and arrested him. Um, going along with the same vein of abusing you know, poor people, we have a story about a cops in Texas um, tasing a disabled woman because she was filming her daughter's arrest, and they forced her out of her wheelchair. Um, and then there was a story not too long ago about a uh, an officer from Philadelphia who got into an altercation with his son in their home, and um, he had ended up shooting his his son in the back. And the commissioner was very quick to come out and say that this was an accidental discharge. Well, now it's coming out in court that this was not an accidental discharge; that the officer had intentionally shot his son in the back. Um, and as a result, he destroyed part of his, uh, his colon and his spleen is completely gone. So now this 19 year old, 20 year old kid is going to have to live the rest of his life with, with that injury. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very, very twisted out there continuing to follow the standing rock situation. I, uh, I have a Facebook friend that is out there and continually putting up pictures and, and video. Um, and More, what I can, uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, Mark on on the on the chat room just posted a link where uh, he mentioned that um, he read that there were six hundred ex vets who were slated to to go to oh, yeah. Standing totally Rock after that. after Thanksgiving, and there's a GoFundMe page where um, to raise money for it, and it's at like uh, five hundred half a million dollars already of a seven hundred fifty k goal. Yeah, there's um this is being organized by um it, what's interesting is this guy Michael Wood Jr. He was a uh, an ex marine and he was also a police officer with Baltimore. He's come out before and spoken against the militarization of police and how um there's kind of this rampant sort of prosecuting of, of you know people of color and he's uh, one of the head organizers of, of this uh this push and they're talking about getting a bunch of unarmed um that's out there to kind of just, you know, bear witness and, and protect, you know, they're basically saying that they're going to put their lives on the line um, completely unarmed in order to protect the, um, the water protectors. So that's, it's a pretty heartwarming story. They're supposed to go December 4th through the 7th. And the 5th is the day that they want to try to, um, that they're going to say that after that point that their, their camp, I guess, will be illegal. I, I don't know. It's, it's all kind of ridiculous. You just you have these um, these <clears throat> the Army Corps of Engineers and the police and the mainstream media basically just like acting as a huge machine against these people um, who are again they're just trying to protect their water and their land. You know they've already had a bunch of their burial grounds bulldozed. I saw an interesting meme that 
you know, showed an oil pipeline going right through the, the big cemetery in Arlington, the, the national cemetery there. And, you know, we, we wouldn't stand for that. So why would we, why would we allow them to do that to native peoples? Well, wasn't you know, there one right. level, wasn't there one level of the story where, uh, the pipeline could have been routed through a more affluent area that would have probably destroyed the water quality, but, uh, they, they found that it would be easier to do this or something like that. Yeah. Residents of, uh, I think it was Bismarck. It's like, um, the capital city of North Dakota. They had expressed concern because the original plans, um, had the, the pipeline going through an area, um, you know, where they draw their water from and the residents had rejected it. And so it was, it was rerouted. Um, and now they're the, the, basically, the guy who's in charge, the CEO of the corporation, has come out publicly and stated that they will not reroute it, that there's no plans to reroute it, um, and that they're going to continue uh, construction along the current, the current route. Um, and again, well, I think what people have to understand is this is a massive pipeline project, $3.8 billion invested, um, a lot of profit to be made here by a lot of wealthy people. And um, this is just the, the this is you know bit, the, basically the tail end of the project. It's like about ninety percent of it has been finished already. So for them to have to you know if they're if they're rerouting it or whatever they're going to do, they're going to have to go back and renegotiate all their contracts because they like I said they expire on the first of January, um, and they really don't want to do it. You know they don't. And these are just a bunch of dirty hippie rebel rousers, as far as they're concerned, that are standing in the way of, of progress and, you know, blocking America's energy independence. So <laughs> these people don't care. And uh, mm -hmm. it goes to the heart of we have an inability in America to have a conversation. You know, it's, you know, the people try to bulldoze their way literally and figuratively in a conversation with their, their viewpoint. And it's very hard to get two sides to, to really listen to each other. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens here. Thankfully, no one's yeah. died yet. But if it continues along this trajectory, it really is only a matter of time. Right. Absolutely. It's going to make for a... Uh, might make for an interesting festive season. Oh, yeah. And another <laughs> not, thing I not very festive. Donald Trump, he um, he's got investments in uh, Dakota Access Partners, so they're mm. expecting him not to be, you know, friendly to the protesters. Mm. But uh, again, we're going to have to wait and see. And that would you you would think that that knowledge would behoove Obama to, to get involved, you know, now while he's still in office. But again, like I said, he's been very quiet. You know, he's no, he's not going to say a word. Like I mean, such a fake. You know, it really yeah, it I mean, really grinds my ears. I have people, you know, I see, I have friends on Facebook and they, you know, proclaim their, their love for Obama and the Democratic establishment. And, yeah. you know, you see harsh reality right, laid bare right here like it is. You know, here's a clear example where he could step in and issue an executive order or, you know, order the Army Corps of Engineers to, you know, back off or at least, you know, try to do something, you know, more along the lines of what the, these native people are asking for. And he doesn't. He just doesn't. He doesn't care. Right. <laughs> Of course. Neither does Hillary. Neither would have Hillary. Oh, yeah. No, she wouldn't care either. I mean, people, people were championing her as the, the civil rights, the, um, the environmentally friendly candidate. When if you look right. at you know, her actions, she's not. She just wasn't that candidate. You know, it, 
you can and, color and in when it comes to oil and oil companies, she is like their best friend. Exactly. So, you know, people are make such a big deal out of the fact that Trump won. You know, it's really, really debatable. You know, who would have been better? Who would have been worse? You know, for for the environment, for civil rights. You know, and I think all the all the talk that Hillary gives for. Her, her love for the gay community or her love for minorities is just all lip service. You know, she's, mm. she's lying. People are bold face lying 180 degrees opposite of the truth. And, you know, people have a tendency to, to be like, you know, oh, well, there's got to be some golden mean in between. You know, maybe she's just saying that, you know, but she's even come out in public and been like, you have to have a private and a, a public position on things. You know, she basically admitted that she's lying. <laughs> So it's just like how 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 thick do you have to be? I mean, people are really wearing those rose-colored glasses. Refuse to see mm-hmm. the truth, even when it's staring them in the face. What are you going to do? Right. All right. Well, well, is that all you is that all you got for us today, Brent? Yeah, that's that's all I got. There was. It seems like a lot of the normal sort of stories that we get about um, police abuse are kind of getting um, back, back, back seated to the stuff on the, uh, the DAPL protests. Cause that really is where the, like my, a lot of my resources are focusing on, on that, which I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's a, a good f- focusing point and it well, really I, highlights all of the, uh, the abuse. I've kind of noticed the same thing. Like I, I haven't seen as many, of these kind of police brutality stories in the news. I'm wondering if it's just that the media aren't covering them as much or, you know, what's going on with that. Yeah. It just seems to me that the, you know, the people that normally focus on and, you know, write up stories on Mm -hmm. police brutality have kind of shifted their focus to the dapple protests and, and it it makes sense to a certain degree. Um, But no doubt there's, still ongoing acts of violence being perpetuated by police all around the country. It's just not getting the, uh, the coverage that it was getting before. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. Thanks again, Brent. Uh, Talk to you later. Thank you guys. (laughs) All right. Take care. Thanks Brent. Thank you, Brent. And it looks like we've got a caller. Yeah, go ahead. So let's take it. Um, caller, are you on the line? Hello. Hi, is Hi, this Harrison. Ryan? It's Ryan. Yeah, hey, Ryan. Ryan. Welcome Hi, back. Ryan. Or, or should I say, or should I say, Privet Comrades. <laughs> Privet. <laughs> Privet Comrade. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> What's going um, on, man? Um, you just, um... A couple, couple of um, questions that I wanted to ask you. Actually, um, there's, there's a few things, um, though. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to mention something. Just going from um, the uh, Standing Rock thing, um, I saw on Twitter today there was a um, a, a lady named Vanessa, um, or call or going by the pseudonym of um, CoxZ, I think. Um, who was badly injured um, by a um, tear gas canister? She was shot in the eye, and um, mm. they they put a uh, GoFundMe page up for a, um, for about two hundred thousand dollars for um, for an operation to reattach her retina. 
and um, she's she's about um, sixty two thousand there. Um, I, I put in a little bit this morning. I um, just urge anyone who's capable of um, making a donation to just perhaps um, chip in a little bit, just to to help her out there. It uh, seemed like a good good cause to me. But, um, okay. but that's um, yeah. The, I, I wanted to actually um, uh, let you know, uh, Joe, too. The um, I, I looked up the um, Gaddafi thing um, and. Um, uh, just sort of recheck, rechecked the um, uh, sources on that, and uh, yeah, I, I did miss something. Uh, I, I should have known better than to. Um, I shouldn't. Shouldn't. Uh, well, I should have um, quit. Really gone back and like triple, triple checked everything. Um, mm-hmm. Like with because you when you wrote the article about that, you're, you're pretty thorough about your fact checking, and um, so sorry about that one. I, I should have checked on that a little bit, little bit closer. No um, uh, the um, just uh, yeah on the on the Russia thing something uh, interesting I saw on Twitter today too. Um, uh, someone tweeted that like Russia today's audience is apparently something like zero point one percent of the TV viewing audience in the EU or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. that kind of made me think. Well, wow, like it, it does put into highlight that this tight like a relatively small media organization compared to some of these these other sort of bigwigs um is having such an impact and like they're they're ranting and raving and screaming about it and like the the actual sort of size of their um audience in comparison is is like not nothing compared to theirs and yet they're so like sort of um like on the face of it, unreasonably hysterical, sort of about um, the, or, or perhaps there is a good reason for them to be um, hysterical about it. Um, but um, yeah, that, that sort of struck me as putting putting into the, putting into context sort of exactly how big the, sort of RT's actual viewership is versus the um, the influence that they might be having um, just with regards to being impartial and, and and doing proper journalism and speaking the truth um like there's there's probably the media's probably had it their own way for so long that having another contender in the field that's starting to become a major like international network that you know could potentially one day rival cnn um if it's not already uh that's like something that they're probably really worried about um Thus, you know, the Washington Post, Russia hysteria, and all that kind of thing. But um, the, the other question I had to ask you, Joe, was um, you mentioned in the, the last few episodes about uh, just doing the post and post election analysis uh, that um, you, you mentioned the word multiculturalism a couple of times in reference to sort of like kind of like failed mm-hmm. ideologies and. Uh, I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit. Like, um, it, it's it seems to me that like multiculturalism is like it, it's something that's historically part of human culture in 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 a certain way, in a, to a certain extent, and um, like thriving sort of cities of the past have generally kind of had that kind of melting pot. Or sort of meeting of cultures kind of aspect to them, and mm. um, that 
multicultural, like to sort of say, like, like having multiculturalism as a failed ideology, is that sort of referring to this sort of like snowflakey sort of like everyone holding hands, hands kind of idealized version of multiculturalism or, um, yeah. or, or something else? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was in that context, and it's also what I was referring to was their idea of multiculturalism, which is effectively the Coca-Cola-ization of the world, uh, where everything that's, um, that they think is wonderful about America should be exported to, uh, to, all the, um, to all the poor people of the world, you know, to save them. Um, and this is being engaged in by people... Uh, not just these ordinary kind of neoliberal or snowflakey type people, but the actual politicians as well, who have no uh, no understanding, no real understanding, because they have no they they don't care about other cultures. They only care about themselves and their cultures and what's great. So obviously, they think America is exceptional and it's the greatest nation in the world. And therefore, why wouldn't any other culture want to have everything that we have? So we're going to go and give it to them in the form of freedom and democracy. You know. Um, so it's just a completely delusional, myopic, uninformed, crass view of the world that is, you know, typified by a complete disinterest or re- and reading of of history and, and any real thought about about uh, about human history and about uh, human cultures and the way they interact and and the way that uh, the U.S. has approached that that problem of uh, of of you know of empire effectively, where you where you end up. Um, expanding one culture and ideology to all parts of the world, you know, uh, there's, you know, uh, so that's more or less what I, what I meant by that, you know, and, um, uh, yeah, just an extension of imperialism sort of thing. Like pretty much, you know, but it's, but the people who don't understand imperialism and, and think that it's all about freedom and democracy have this totally, crass understanding of it you know they think that uh, you know everybody should be the same and everybody should have the same ideas as they have so it's a very subjective and uh, arrogant arrogant viewpoint you know where they are the center of everything and they are enough you know nothing else is needed and they just need to give everybody what they have but also inside the US you know multiculturalism is uh, is, a, is a kind of a, well it's, it's kind of a bad idea in a certain sense you know um, I mean, I don't think African Americans should be called African Americans. I don't think Hispanic Americans, they don't really call Hispanic Americans, but they shouldn't be called Hispanic either, you know? I mean, America has a, a certain, uh, America was established as a, as a, by white Europeans and it was, you know, they had a, they had a war of uh, independence and then they had a civil war, um, Amongst themselves, and it was largely by you know white Europeans doing doing and this is after they killed all the Indians, obviously. But they so they established America for themselves. They took the land, they uh, and they, they made it into a white uh, a white nation. Um, so, and of course, you know, there's a lot of people who came there who were invited to come there. It was the land of opportunity, all that kind of stuff during the 1800s and and early 1900s. Um, but the people I think who go there should see themselves as American. You know, and if you're, if you're, a, if you're ethnically African, let's say if you're from Africa, um, ultimately, and you identify with that, well, then, I mean, it's a bit of a problem, you know, I mean, it, my point is that it's this whole Black Lives Matter business is it's, it's ripe for 
you know, people holding on to those kind of uh, separate ideologies and uh, ethnic identities and that kind of stuff in a place like America is just ripe for someone to come along and, and provoke those those divisions and those cause some kind of uh, so- social chaos, you know? Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, we should we should see each other as human beings first and foremost. Just right. See each other as human beings. Yeah, I mean that kind of gets into you know who's funding Black Lives Matter and what's it for and all that kind of stuff and supposedly Soros funding it and I don't know if that's true or not, but who? It's possible. I mean, it's happened in other places where the country, uh, some entity, some authority that wants to to destroy a country or change the country in some fundamental way, they will, the first thing they go for is the ethnic or, or religious uh, fracture, point, fracture points or, or, or divisions, latent divisions in a country, and, and they excite them, you know, they, they throw money towards one group to against another, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think American... The, the thing that defeats that kind of predation is unity, social cohesion. Great. That's why China's never been conquered. Mm. Not successfully, anyway. Unity. And uh, America has it, potentially, but it's, um, it's, it's easily excited, as Joe says. It's easily excited, especially in the context of, of a corrupt government, a long-term government that effectively is, is, a, is a, they're a bunch of robber barons, you know, and they, um, they're not doing the right thing by the country and by the people, effectively, and they're creating a vast underclass of, of people who, uh, who don't have the kind of access to jobs and, and um, like... Uh, I mean, I'm not saying people should be given kind of stuff for nothing, but what I'm saying is when you take away their ability, even their their ability to get even the basics that would give them a decent standard of living, if you take away their ability to, to do that, i.e. access to jobs, access to well enough paying jobs or the, the, the cost of living and stuff, well, then you're just creating uh, conditions for a, a kind of a, some kind of social discord, major social upset, major social discord and... Uh, and that almost inevitably separates people along along racial, ethnic, religious, whatever lines. Um, revolution. And, hmm? well, re- re- the revolution scenario. Yeah. Anyway, Ryan, we're going to... Um, no, no problems, Joe. Um, call it next one. But thanks for your, thanks for your call and thanks for provoking some discussion there right. yeah, thanks ryan have a good uh, no problem have a good evening um, yeah th- thanks thanks very much for the for the last few weeks of analysis guys it's yeah it's been really interesting yeah. no no problem you're welcome ryan. Welcome. thanks it's for the support, support. Ryan. thanks very much all right take care a week bye bye see ya bye oops i think i clicked ban on him there um anyway so So, do we have anything else we wanted to cover before we... No. We're going to go... uh, We're all going to go as members uh, of uh, probably most people, maybe a majority of people listening to this are all members of either of of Western society. That includes Ryan, who's in Australia, because that's in the West, even though it's in the Southeast. And what's East, West, North, South in a big ball anyway. But... um, as members of the Western the Western Society, we're all going to take some time off to go and uh, reflect on our our collective guilt for 
Um, instead of celebrating Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to reflect on our, our collective guilt for. <laughs> Let's not. Okay, we'll not. We'll not reflect on our collective guilt. We'll reflect on the evils of pathocracy and corrupt authorities that go around slaughtering people for no good reason. Sounds good. Unless, unless you think it was for a good reason, because America is today an exceptional nation, and uh, they couldn't have done what they did if they had allowed the Indians to live. That's for another show, though. Mm-hmm. That's too complicated. All right. Okay, so, let's leave it there. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk again next week. Take care. Goodbye. Have a good evening. Bye.